Hello there, um, and welcome to Black Love Bites. You're about to listen to an episode that was recorded before the murder of George Floyd in America, and it's an episode that focuses on the impact, the disproportionate impact of COVID-19 on black people, and with our focus obviously on black people in the UK. And so when we recorded it, that was our point of focus. Since then, George Floyd has happened, Black Lives Matters protests have taken over the streets globally. So we wanted to acknowledge that um, before we go into the episode, just to contextualise it in terms of when it was recorded. So we're kind of feeling a bit reflective about um, what you're going to hear. Um, it's really important for us to kind of mention some of the names and how this actually affects us in the UK as well as in the US. And some of the names of those people, for instance, who uh, suffered in the Windrush scandal, and some of their names, just for us to really reflect on how Black Lives Matter, not just in the US, but also here as well. Some of those names, Anthony Bryan, Dexter Bristol, Kenneth Williams, Judy Griffith, Paulette Wilson, Leighton Robinson, Sarah O'Connor, Valerie Baker, so many names, so many more names on top of that. Hello and welcome to this special episode of Black Love Bites with me, Joy Francis. And me, Patsy Isles. Firstly, why is it special? Because we it's our first one amid a pandemic during COVID-19. We're on lockdown, people. We're on lockdown. Yes. Yeah, so obviously we were distracted appropriately with our lives and adjusting. And it felt really important for us to come back in a virtual way, but more virtually, because Patsy and I, who feed off each other, bounce off each other, are doing this without seeing each other. So we're in different parts of the country, but courtesy of obviously new technology and a great producer and Adrienne, we're, we're bringing this to you um, through the, the wonders of the good old-fashioned telephone. So we decided that it was time with all the messaging, not all positive, sub-transformative, loss, grief uh, that's been happening and particularly the disproportionate impact on black people, they felt really important to have a podcast on Black love during COVID-19. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, and we'll have other episodes that are looking at different aspects. Um, and we'll talk a bit more about that later on. But Patsy, yes, yes. I just want to hand over to you in terms of yeah, yeah why well, this is important. Yeah, it's important, I guess, because um, I, I think you mentioned, you know, this kind of... Um, the, the idea about it affecting us as people disproportionately. But more than that, I think that, that you know, because of what's happening, there's, there's this idea of this fear, really, that is rippling through. Um, it's, it's something that's, that's kind of rippling through, through us all, really, society-wise. But I think within our community, because of the statistics that are being thrown at us, um, you know, there, there's a real fear in our community, and um, and I think it's it's something that that really we need to explore, and also kind of think about how we can kind of get through this because this will come to an end. We're hoping for news that it's actually properly going to end soon. So um, I just thought that you know 
while we're still in it, I thought it's really good for us to kind of talk about how it's been impacting us and how we're dealing with that fear, really, you know? And also, we are a people. Um, I'm not going to start getting on a pulpit because I'm not overtly religious, but who have been through adversity over and over again, and we rise amazingly uh, stronger than before. And this is one, again, where we're putting the spotlight and we've got to be careful that we're not victimised or we victimise ourselves. Mm. And for to see how we're moving beyond the fear, because I think that we, we coexist with fear and we have an mm. opportunity to share how we're coping, what we're doing, what is making us smile, how we we're getting through loss, how we're getting through not having physical contact. Absolutely. Um, and sharing what we actually are doing, what's coming up for us. Um, and also, what are you tapping into? Are you finding new skills? Are you cooking more? And, and let's be honest, the answer is yes. I mean, everyone we've spoken <laughs> to, including myself, we are cooking more. Absolutely. Um, or, or in my parents' case, my mother had was having, I say my mum, because even though I do have a dad, um, my mum seems to have an ability, even in, in lockdown, to charm people. She had a church sent to their food. My retired <laughs> chef cousin bringing her food. Um, it was unwell, not to do with COVID, thankfully, but she did have a chest infection, and, and my mother is never ill. I mean, we're telling not even a cold. That so must have been so worrying, actually. It Joy. was because it was around two or three weeks into lockdown, and she just sounded rough. Um, but again, about services and, and availability and, and great people mm -hmm. in, in the medical profession, her GP dealt with it. Um, made the diagnosis very swiftly and accurately and then arranged for different types of medication for her to have access to until they found the right one because the first two sets of antibiotics didn't work right. and within, as soon as they got the right one within four or five days she got her appetite back and so what we want to look at as part from myself and Patsy checking in with each other but obviously with you um, it's about what has come up for you, Patsy? How are you coping in lockdown? <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, and how are you keeping the love alive for yourself and for life in mm. this incredibly surreal and challenging situation? You know, I, I kind of say that for me, it's it's been, and I guess for a lot of people, I've kind of gone through different phases, really, I suppose. You know, at first, it was... The realization that we were going to be on lockdown but not knowing how long it would really be and kind of thinking this is okay you know everything's kind of being moved over to online and um, that brought with it quite a lot of challenges actually for some of the work I do um, but as time has gone on um, you know and, and even kind of engaging with, with with technology and with kind of social forums and that kind of stuff at first it was kind of novel and it was fun and uh, so it was easy to cope with it. But as lockdown extended and extended and extended, I began to feel a real resentment for these online tools, which are actually making our jobs really easy. Mm. Um, and it was it was, I guess, because I'm quite a tactile person. And, you know, after a while, you really crave that physical contact, you know, that kind of meeting with people in person and kind of rather than through a screen and, and of course it's brilliant i'm not suggesting that these tools that we now have and we rely on are bad but i think that you can also have too much of them um and 
for me, you know, my day job, one of the things I do a lot of is I do a lot of media training. And, uh, and with that, you're in a room with people and you can kind of adjust and bounce off of, you know, things like body language and, and expression and gesture, which is, is, is kind of lost online. Um, so those were challenges. But, but personally, I think um, a big challenge for me was avoiding um, the negativity. There was there's so much negativity, mm. so much um, conspiracy theory about COVID and, you know, I mean, the big one was the 5G thing. I don't know whether they're all, none of us know. And in fact, we probably wouldn't even ever know. Or if we do, it's going to be 30 years time. But right now, I don't need it. And so it was making the decision to step away from things, step away from the news. You know, it was so easy to keep a tally of the people that were dying mm. without realising that at first they weren't telling you how many people were surviving. You know, focusing on the negative rather than on the positive. And of course, it's awful that anyone has had to die. But when you keep hearing that, that's really playing on your fear, you know. The thing is, it's what you choose to lead on. Because when you think initially, it what people I think would have been beneficial for people to see is what percentage were actually not just contracting the virus, but surviving uh, as a result of that. Also, people wanted to know the symptoms, wanted to know how to recover mm. um, and hear stories of how, because no two people's stories are the same. Yeah. And also what asymptomatic means, what that mm. would look like. So I think that... It was confusing for people at the beginning. And I think for you not to have the right information, but the only thing that you were being told was accurate was you die from this. And this is how many die every day. It's almost like this tally every time you look. And I think for myself, I had to negotiate. And particularly that I'm some of my projects are dealing with the front line of this, particularly around mental health. Um, and having to be solution focused and think about what can we do mm. and how can we acknowledge it but not allow it to dominate you in a way where it, it paralyzes you and for you to still hold on to being positive in a way that's not dismissive of the reality Absolutely. so all that has been that and also owning how you feel about it because a lot of the time you're being positive. Like I'd go, you know, think constructively, look, this is the sort of stuff I need to do. My priority at the first, you know, when everything uh, was, is pre-lockdown, was around my family, my team, um, obviously myself, and making sure that there was no hysteria necessarily. And, but, and also I think, it took a while for the reality to actually sink in um, because I think when you're busy, because I think a lot of people, you know, obviously people have been furloughed, been sat, especially if they're on zero hour contracts and everything else. So everyone's reaction was, it was varied as it mm. inevitably will be because we're all living different lives. And, and th what this has done is made us live sort of similar lives in a way, because we're all having to consider the similar things. We all have to keep, you know, social distancing in mind. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's respecting that. We have to shop in a particular way. So it is weird how we're interconnected through, on paper, something that's devastating, but yet also transformative. And also, though, there is 
the quiz nights and the cook nights <laughs> and the dance offs, <laughs> which dance I've been challenges. part of, which are dance challenges. We did the hip hop one. Uh, and, and um, with various ages from 40 to 62, and I'm not going to tell you what the outcome was, but it was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and a, appreciation of, in my case, having flowers when, when possible to get them, yeah. uh, going for the walks, appreciating my home, knowing that I'm privileged and lucky to have not just a roof over my head, but I can go shopping, I can mm-hmm. choose to work from home, and it is about choices. You know? Definitely. I mean, I would have to add to that because one of the things that I have found truly amazing is is just being out in nature. Mm. And, um, you know, I go out every morning um, because I, I really need to kind of um, do something physical before I can sit down and work. And it's either a jog or it's a walk. And uh, when it's a walk, it's it's there's some woods very near to where I'm I'm living. And and it's just this appreciation of nature and actually seeing nature and how, um, because we're not so active in the world, what that's doing to the natural world, you know, it's it's really quite amazing. And, and it reminds you of, of the beauty in the world, you know, mm. and the fact that things are continuing to, to grow. And I, there's, a, there's a river very near to where I am. And, and I was walking the other day and there were just an abundance of fish. I've never seen so many fish in this river. This river is a shallow little river, trust me. I don't even know how them fish were swimming inside there. There's so little water in there. <laughs> but trust me, there were so many fishes in there. Um, so it's just it's just that kind of appreciation of the simple things, mm. which actually we take for granted, I think. And it's not something that I'd realized before that I, mm. that I took these things for granted, but it's because everything has had to stop and slow right down mm. that you begin to see uh, the beauty in the world around you. You know, we're able to be a bit more mindful about the things that we do every day, you know, and because we have time to be mindful, we can really focus on the moment because you know what? We don't know what's happening tomorrow. So mm. all we have is the moment to focus on. All really great mindfulness, te- mindfulness techniques they really help with mental health, you know. So um, I think for me, that's been a very, very big positive, you know, reconnecting with that kind of the natural world. I grew up in quite a rural area, and so it's kind mm. of been a really a revelation for me. Having this time, and it is space, however you look at it, you know, whether it's an uncomfortable space. I mean, you know, Yana Van Sant has said, you know, the, it's reinforcing what we already had going on in our lives. Mm. Um, you know, it's amplifying existing inequalities, it's amplifying existing fears, it's amplifying who we are to ourselves. Mm. Because we're not, we're busy, some people are busy in certain ways, but it's a different way and where we're actually spending more time with ourselves in a very sort of conscious way mm. because we're not out and about, depending on if you're in, you know, because obviously if you're, you're a disabled person, that that's going to be difficult, but you are with yourself or with particular people in a far more intense and forensic way. And it can go one or two ways, really, yeah. you know, and yeah. I think that, what I'm finding is that it is throwing up things for me, put deep things for me personally, mm. about who I am, what I want out of life, what my contribution is to life, what how I'm going to make this count. Mm. That is this 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 pandemic is not going to come and leave me untouched, mm. and I'm not going to operate in the world in the same way. We can't go back because it wasn't normal, whatever <laughs> the new normal is going to be, because society was not working. Simple Absolutely. as that. Yeah. Mother Nature was not happy. 
and there's an opportunity here and we all need to take it no yeah. one who's died on our watch uh has to be to know they need to know that it was not in vain it's as simple as that yeah. you know and it's our individual collective responsibility but also we individually have the power to make minor changes in our life from washing our hands regularly mm -hmm. imagine something as simple as that but washing our hands regularly to checking in with people that you say you care about yeah. you know and not putting them off um and i think that from what i can see there are those bonds have got stronger and i wanted to um sort of talk about um self-love in a way uh mm. i mean you know food is one part of that but you know and what you've become aware of in terms of that what is important how you show yourself love and self-care in in this time because the thing that strikes me uh is around here and yeah. it's funny because what who who decides what is essential uh services or you know shops that could be open and I know, you know, and I'm aware of, I mean, most people I think I know have natural hair and can manage it in one shape or form. But what mm. struck me, one hand, always know it's important, but it really amplifies how important our hair is to our well-being um, and our sense of nurturing. And being in a position where uh, myself, my sister and I, both of us are in a position because we, you know, we're sisters, full sisters, and our hair in the 4B, 4C spectrum and we both ran out and we have backlog but we were struggling to get the hair care products for our hair mm. and so we've both got we use different products we've you know refined that and we know what works for our hair so again there's assumptions about who we are as people and what was interesting is that when she was looking for products and i was looking for products online because all the shops locally were closed the price point the markup I was, you know, I can't even begin to tell you how incensed I was when I looked and I thought, hang on, the middle person's cut out because you're not having to deliver it to a store who then marks it up again and sells it to us, yeah? Mm. And the product that I use, which cost $2.99, and it went up before <laughs> lockdown. I'm sorry, this, I'm being really specific here, people. Uh, um, you have to be, you know? No, $2.79, they went up to $2.99, and I, it works perfectly for my hair. And then I noticed, okay, I can't get it. I was running out and you know i can't no longer go to the steam all these things so the extra moisture i get in my hair i have mm. to grease my hair more because i'm not having that on a weekly basis for example mm. when i look 200 percent, 300 percent markup on our products and i bought my two lots of hair oil that would would have cost me six quid and i end up paying around 15 quid for it I don't even want to go there. I was so upset. <laughs> and also in terms of hair extension, like soft and silky, kinky, mm, kinky, mm. right? Um, to match my hair. I don't want to, I just said, you know what? It's a good thing I've got stuff at home and I'm, I'm quarantined with someone who is, even though she's a lead clinician in the NHS, go sister, she's doing her thing. Um, she is so good, self-taught with hair. So I am so lucky on my Zoom meetings. We say, your hair looks so good. I'm like, <laughs> they go, they just look at me and say, your sister. <laughs> they don't even remotely think it's me, which I'm very offended by. Um, but I am just so lucky because we look out, we're looking out for each other uh, yeah. in the space. And I had some castor oil, so I gave it to her because that sort of tech type of product is good for her hair. So she's managed to figure something out. But I just think, you know, just like with airlines, you know, for years and years, and still really, really recently, 
flights to the African continent you know, and to the Caribbean were always overpriced. Mm. Um, it always kept, you know, inflated. And here we are again, at a time where we're disproportionately impacted by COVID for a variety of reasons. And then here we are again, wanting to just around me in terms of self-care and I'm having to pay through the nose for it. Yeah. And there's no, and all, we're all, we're all in this together, really. Yeah, you know, absolutely. so I, 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 I'm not going to name names or whatever, but I just, yeah, that upset me, that deeply upset me, you know? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, well, this is the thing, isn't it? What it does is it just reminds us that, you know, because obviously places like Superdrug are open, Boots are open, but it just reminds us that we are, you know, almost in this society, we're a bit of an afterthought, right? Because mm. they don't carry the range of products that we need. Um, and, and we have, I mean, there's so many products that, that, that we can buy for our hair. Based and on our skin. And our skin, and by our the skin. way, as well. A yes. Absolutely. Mm. And our skin. I mean, I've literally just run out of my my, um, my facial oil, which I'm kind of now getting a bit kind of antsy about, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that things will kind of pan out. And even online, I can't get it. So, you know, it is this, um, it is this thing where it's almost a reminder of our place here. You know, and it's 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 quite it's quite um, it's quite not distressing, but it is disappointing to think that we're at this stage in our presence here. And when something massive like this happens, we are impacted. I mean, you can go to any of those kind of uh, shops that are open that sell those kinds of products. And actually, there's an array of products for Caucasian um, skins and hair and that kind of stuff. And maybe there's a small selection for us, but nowhere near the, on the same kind of level. Uh -uh. So it is kind of a reminder. I mean, for me, I guess, uh, the thing that, that I've kind of, that has become increasingly, uh, well, I've become increasingly concerned about is the the way that this statistic is being rolled out and this, this statistic about how many of our people um, are actually victims of this. And of course, we know this is really happening here because we see the faces we see. I remember when they first started talking about um, those really brave NHS workers that had, mm. you know, either returned from retirement or were, were just workers within the NHS. And the first, how many of them were black people? people five, of the first five, yeah, the and consultants, five. so Asian and African and Caribbean uh, nurses and consultants. And the thing is, what I started to think about was, was actually, okay, so we know this is happening here. We know this is also happening in America. Mm. And so these are both classes, the Western world, right? Mm. Um, and then you go to places or you hear about Africa and you hear about the Caribbean and this isn't happening in those places. So whatever it is happening is specific to America and England, and it could be down to testing. It could be just that we're testing more, um, or not, it's not even testing because people are dying. So what is it? What is it about us being here that is different from us being uh, in the Caribbean or in Africa? And so what I what I kind of it makes me think is is yet again, it's almost like everything that is being kind of rolled out uh, and, and kind of reiterated. It worries me that actually we arm the wrong people with this information, you know, mm. because there was that story, wasn't there, last week of that poor, um, I think she worked for London Underground. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a few weeks, and there's been another one in the last four days, but um, right. Belly Majinga, 47, yeah. who worked as a, um, 
for the underground, she worked at the concourse at Victoria Station, so exactly. for the rail, uh, network rail. What worries me about this, this, this kind of, and we know it's happening, we know it's real, but what, what it does when they keep talking about it is it really arms the wrong people. You know, and, and I guess that that's my concern, because when we, we do start to get back out there and everything, um, we don't know what's what this will mean, you know, for for people who are carrying the virus. And, you know, and, and those kinds of things, I guess, concern me about what's been happening under lockdown. Um, yeah, because yeah. the thing is, when you think about, um, the, you know, the, uh, it, the difference between the examples you've given, you know, and mm. uh, basically black-led countries, is the existing, it's all, everything through a colonial lens, a systems, systems approach that has inherent structural racism, mm. systemic racism, pre-existent inequalities. So, you know, all the things that, that are then, like I said, as a result of COVID is amplified. Absolutely. And so what it does is amplifying the way we're treated. I mean, if you've seen America, um, and the fact that how many people who don't access services because of their poor experience of the service of services. So, you know, um, so some may not make contact, which is, mm. which is common. Um, differential ways of treatment were treated in these situations. Yeah. So what I think the narrative has, is starting to shift, of course, through things like the Ubele Initiative mm. um, and like Charity So White showing that this is happening, it's building on, on already on exist, pre-existing problems, pre-existing inequalities. So if you didn't have a level paying field, of course it's going to be disproportionate mm. in terms of impact because we were already at a disadvantage before COVID and this pandemic happened. And so, of course, everything is going to accelerate and amplify. And it's, again, an opportunity learn. And, and what astounds me is that they're not actually... Uh, they weren't collecting data based on ethnicity. Absolutely. Yeah. So even though we know yeah. it's a disproportionate, it's still inaccurate. Mm. And so all that, and the fact that on death certificates, there's no um, ethnicity is not listed on death certificates. I mean, there's mm. a lots of, especially under the situation. So there is so much that's wrong, but this is an opportunity to get it right yeah. because this is inexcusable. And again, these things should have been dealt with from very early on, but they're starting to happen now. Um, Sadiq Khan's taken a lot of these things on board with, with um, Debbie Bernard Weeks, who has uh, the social inclusion agenda brief. Mm. Um, and I remember when she's a bit running me, she's really, you know, significant player and, and a great person to have involved with this. So here we are again, almost like every, you know, every, era or major transformations going on in society, we have to still kind of come up the pirate and say this is not good enough. Mm. Even though we pay our taxes, even though organizations say they're national, national health service, so on, who has to do the reminding that we need to be treated equitably? Absolutely. And this and that's part of the problem. But also building what you're saying, Patsy, about how COVID is being weaponized. Because mm. oh, I, and also the the the, the lack of outrage in, a, in appropriate outrage at the appropriate time so in Belly's case the fact that she was coughed and spat at by what turns out to be a white suited man yeah. and the fact that it took two months before around two months i believe before it came into the public 
space and before they decided to follow up and interview the man. So someone must have complained because there's also another member of staff who was impacted by his behaviour, right? Mm -hmm. And yet it was only because with The Guardian leading the fray, um, highlighting this, that all of a sudden they decided to take it seriously. Something mm -hmm. tells me if it was a black person, a black man coughing and spitting on a white woman, it would have been reported, he would have been arrested within a week. So yeah. I think it's interesting that even during COVID, when this happened, you know, because it's less than a month or so ago, right? A couple of months mm -hmm. ago, mm -hmm. but it came to light quite late, that it wasn't acted upon, you know? So all of mm -hmm. that needs to be looked at in terms of, you know, network rail, whoever. Why mm -hmm. wasn't that taken seriously? We have, uh, cam you know, sorry, what is it? CCTV cameras CCTV. everywhere. Mm -hmm. And yet... It has to, she, the woman's dead. We don't even know if, why Belly died, if, it, if it's because of that. But now we're just left with this half a story, a sense of injustice, and she's mm. gone. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't even know how we can even, you know, how we can sit and we can you know, move from grief to outrage to joy. And, you know, already within this podcast, which is just showing how we have to operate in this world. Mm -hmm. and operate in those different spaces to keep ourselves sane yeah. because if you look at it in such forensic detail you would lose it yeah because there's so much that's wrong you, you know really but would. it's so much part of our narrative yeah and the thing that we know we have to struggle and fight and and but the wrong people are, are feeling ashamed mm. and that's the thing now because i think that really you know white people have to step up yeah. and acknowledge what is going on and how they we're being policed how are they standing up and correcting those who are white who are behaving like this yeah. either in public spaces or in private spaces in terms of what they say mm. you know well, it is, it through yeah. that up, but this this is another one it needs to throw it up for those discussions to happen because we have enough to think about well, I think as well, you know, it's 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 this kind of realization. Also, if we kind of go back to NHS and and that kind of the disproportionate number of people from um, black and ethnic minority communities who are dying, um, and it's it's to step back from that particular statistic itself. Let's just zoom out and let's just look at why that is happening. It's because so many of the people that work in our NHS come from those backgrounds. So so many of yes. Them. And so these people who are there caring for, caring for others, um, putting their own lives at risk, losing their lives in so many cases, um, what is going to what is going to be done about this? You know, people talking about giving them a medal, whatever. What is a medal for them? Pay the people. Let the people actually live above the breadline. You know, pay these people some respect. Without them, they are literally our front line. If we think about all these comparisons that have been made to the Second World War and whatever, these people are literally our army fighting a mm. new enemy. Yeah, so yeah. look at how we treated the soldiers. That's not improved. We cannot let the same thing happen with our NHF workers. We cannot let that happen. And it's, in, it's, and it's interesting because about how we show love. You know, we say about the intimacy challenges that we face. Mm. But yet, this, how do we show love? Yeah. Because if you look, it's not just about the money, because I think it's interesting that they have to always had to from our parents day for Wimbush call us over here to mm -hmm. do the menial jobs that a lot of the mainstream community still refuses to take. Yeah. Yet these are jobs that we are taking from them. Mm -hmm. But yet they're the, the jobs that actually many don't apply for. 
So they have to get people from minority so-called communities to do these jobs. I think it's interesting in terms of the initial optics around us and the NHS yeah. had no black people and then outrage across the spectrum. And then all of a sudden, all the, all the visuals had us. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, from when I go into the shops, wherever I go, my local shops, and I want money to stay in my local community. So I go into my local shops, you know, in a sensible manner. Mm. Um, and I thank everybody, the street cleaners that come, I'm looking at the window saying, thank you. I'm not going out every Wednesday and clapping. I'm, I'm going to the people and telling them where I can, thank you and I preach because you don't have to be yeah. here and whatever you do because you've got to feed your family and so that's why I'm even coming out to do the shopping because I want you to get your family fed and have a life and everything else but I thank you yeah. because you know you would most certainly rather than one woman she was quite upset and this is before they put up in the supermarket you know they put up the um shields Mm. And I was talking to her and how tough she was finding it and how she'd rather not be there. And you know, and I thought, if anyone ever said to me, I've taken too long in this queue, it's me and them. Because <laughs> this woman needs me and my time at this moment. This is, this is about human exchange. Yeah. And even when I'm on the street and I see people, but, you know, especially black people, I see young black men, I will, I will you know, we're passing each other and I say, how are you doing? Mm. How are you doing? And, yeah. you know, I'm okay and whatever. In the shops, I am talking. Yeah. I'm acknowledging because, you know, some people are at home on their own. And I you know this is what we need to be doing because, mm. you know, and maybe this is something that can, that can continue after this, you know, that mm. we used to acknowledge each other, you know, when mm. we were first here and we were kind of up against people that didn't want us to be here, our parents' generation, I'm talking about you. You know, when we were first here and we weren't wanted, we had to draw together as a community. Mm. And I think what's happened is over the years and as, you know, a generation and another generation has come in, um, we are drifting away from that. And maybe this is a really good, positive thing that will come out of this, that maybe we can begin to build a really strong sense of community again. You know, I mean, when you sort of think about things like the murders and everything, that the, the stabbings, whatever, they've all gone down. It's because obviously people are on lockdown. And oh, my God, I would so love to think that when this ends, that that kind of would, would stay the, the same way, you know. I don't think it will. I, I'd, I'd love to think it would, but wouldn't it be beautiful if we actually began to understand that we are stronger if we stand together than if we do the job for other people and, and kill each other, mm. you know? Um, so those kinds of things are really positive to me. That's a really beautiful thing to come out of it. The fact that we, we are talking more because mm. we, we have time, you know, when you're in a house and you can't really go anywhere and you haven't got anything left to do, what can you do? You can talk to people, you can ask somebody how they're doing. And that's a positive, a really, really positive thing to come out of this, you know, even with that, that kind of distance that, that we've had to, um, to, 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 to kind of uh, follow, it's almost like in that distance, we can become closer, you know, as a community. Well, look, as we, as is the way, almost, I feel like we're starting Black Love Bites again. And when yeah, we first yeah. started, we were looking at relationships and dating, and we said mm. we could talk about this forever. And I feel, you know, uh, this is what we're going to definitely revisit because it's not just, it's not over, but there's, this is just us two, you know, Patsy and I yeah. discussing mm. this and we really want your thoughts and your stories and there's going to be a variety of ways in which we're going to sort of invite people to do that because um, we're definitely going to be back looking at and actually possibly 
doing two podcasts a month rather than the, the usual monthly one because we want to hear real voices and real people talking about what's working for them. And we want to explore dating in lockdown. It's funny because that sort of appears and disappears in terms of the agenda because it's the first thing that seems to come up. I'm like, hello, <laughs> get your priorities right. Um, yes. oh, how are you going to date in lockdown? And, and you know, how is it going to work? And, and it went quiet on that front. But yeah. now what's happening, we're hearing more about relationships in lockdown mm, and absolutely. what that actually means and, and, and what you'd want to happen and what that could look like. And so we're definitely going to be looking at exploring that. I'm um, dating and relationships in lockdown. Yeah. Uh, and also looking at some quirky and interesting and sort of less obvious love stories. For example, <laughs> like I, I'll come, sorry, I'll bring it back to food again. Um, but uh, there's a company called Baking Intelligence that is uh, family run and with a focus on african continent and it's an african i think nigerian family mother and two sons who are running it and it sounds amazing i and, love the sound of this joy when you mentioned it to me the other day i need to check this out and where you learn not just how to bake but you're being taught how to bake through webinars and videos and recipes that take into account your taste buds as black people um take into account your locations so you know not everything yogurt and whatever else and may work in the recipes that you want to make because of refrigeration or the the temperature the heat in in where you are and the fact that you've got people who look like you sound like you with your humor teaching you how to bake and so the founder Ade uh we're looking he's agreed he's going to come on and speak a bit about that so really looking forward to that Fantastic. and um so yeah so we will be in touch please uh through us on instagram the black love project on twitter at black love uk let us know what things you want us to explore what's coming up for you during covid 19 in terms of love in all its forms and things that you want us to sort of spread the word about as well. That would be really, really handy. Mm. Patsy, anything you yeah. want to add at all? Yeah, so, I mean, really, it's just expanding it to kind of, you know, so relationship love, um, self-love. What are the things that you're doing to get you through? How is your relationship being impacted? We've got, we've got stories of people who were on the verge of breaking up, who've now ended up having to be on lockdown together. Is that you? Is there a story that you want to share about what that experience is like for you? Um, and also just the self-love stuff. What stuff are you doing to kind of um, uh, to get yourself through, uh, to give yourself that time and attention. I'll tell you one really funny thing that I've taken up and I would never have expected myself to take this up is scrapbooking. Oh, I love that. And, and absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I've got so many pictures, but as a writer, I love journaling. So I'm, I'm doing, I'm taking both of those things, putting them together. All of these pictures that you've got stored in your iPhone that can now actually live somewhere in, a, in an actual physical book. Um, so that's, and, and as a mindfulness activity, I cannot tell you how much enjoyment I've, I've gotten from this um, during uh, lockdown. So it's just really to encourage you not to forget about self-love and what things that you're doing for yourself that actually are feeding you and keeping you going through this. We're going to wind it up now. So yeah. thank you for listening in. Please, please, please. Don't let us beg. We really, really, <laughs> this is COVID. We, we still want to hear from you. We really need to hear from you. We want to hear what you're doing, what you're up to. Um, 
no matter how if it's a difficult topic, you know, because we know people have lost if their their parents mm. and others and not and been unable to go to funerals, which is Absolutely. just devastating. Yeah. Um, and so right through to how you're managing grief at this time, parents and your children. The fact you can't kick them out. The fact you have to be together, no, I'm presuming they're the sweetest pie as well, but how are parents coping? <laughs> how are teenagers coping with their parents? Yeah. What is happening? Have you found ways to sort of find common ground in terms of your mutual interests and you're doing new and interesting things together? Are you sharing stories, stories and oral history? And also, are you creating in this time? Mm. You know, are you writing any new books um, or, or your first book? Um, yes, what, is your, what is your Netflix programs that you, you're watching that you're obsessed by? You know, now you're, you know, because everyone I know within reason has got something they're obsessed by. So perhaps you're talking about the scrapbooking, um, me and the cooking and the dancing in some way, shape or form in my house um, and the meditating. So what, what's your thing? You know, what's your thing, you know, at, during this time? So, um, look, we send you our love, uh, you know, and... Thank you for taking time for listening to us rattle on at this incredibly challenging time. But like I say, you know, we will keep rattling on until we hear from you. All right. Absolutely. Because we and, and please, this is this is this is as much your forum as it is our ours. So um, we really do want to hear from you. And whatever it is that you want to contribute, whether it's a, a note, whether you actually want to, to speak to us about something, you know, get in touch by any of those uh, methods that Joy's already mentioned. So, you know, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me until the next time. Stay safe.